Radioholic. Put me in a special school, cause I am such a fool. And I don't need a single book to teach me how to read. Who needs stupid books? They are for petty crooks. And I will learn by studying the lessons in my dreams. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff, man. Uh, I knew you'd like that song. Oh, yeah. Troublemaker, right up your alley. Of I know course. You are. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing but trouble. Uh, welcome back, G-Hawks, episode 195. 195. Inching closer to the big 200. Man, we are getting up there. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. You know what's going to be awesome? I think it's going to happen right after the New Year's, so like the very first episode maybe uh, of, of, of 2024 is going to be the episode uh, 200. Okay. So we're going right. to we're gonna kick 2024 20, off with a bang, no doubt. Uh, I live one mile from the studio, and I may still have to get a ride home from that one. And we have your old college couch here, so if you end up having to sleep here, <laughs> yes. you can sleep here with whatever <laughs> substances are on that couch. I don't even want to freaking know what's on hey, that couch. Hey, it's not from college, but no comment. <laughs> no comment on the substances anyways. Right. Oh, man. Um, good to be back. Last yeah. week was awesome. We were at Roads and Streets. We were. We and, were. Uh, Another the, great year. The Dirty Tea, as they call it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. That was, that was it a was show. a really good time. Good. Um, I love seeing all the same. I mean, not all the same people, but meeting yep. some new people and seeing the, our old friends. Yep. And I mean, it was, a good, it was a good time. Made a bunch of great reconnections yeah. like you said and uh some new connections had some great interviews yeah, um, yeah all around yeah. huge success absolutely no doubt for a number of reasons um what else uh what's new with you sean uh i feel like it's been lot. a while since we've been in studio i know doesn't it feel that way yes it feels like good to be back and good to be home mm-hmm. uh you know we're just in cranking away october is always busy i mean it's a mad <laughs> dash to get everything possible you know as far as work and life done once thanksgiving happens it just kind of you just stumble around a little bit, and then yeah. it becomes the next year. So stumble into Christmas. Yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, yep. What about you? What's new? A got lot. Some, I know a lot. <laughs> I you know, you're all, all over the right place. Uh, but uh, you got a big, big wedding coming. My up, head huh? is spinning at the moment. Yes, uh, I mentioned it before. Um, Star McKenna is getting married not this weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah. So when this gets released, I think it'll be before that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I will have to share many stories. You're going to be there. I will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Super um, excited. I I will do my best to uh, don't heckle me during the father of the bride speech. <laughs> oh man, I can't have it. I can't have it. Oh, you don't even know. You what's might have coming, to. Buddy. You might have to co-host the father of the bride speech. How's that? <laughs> we have talked about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, other than that, I went to uh, NASCAR this past week. Oh yeah, how was that? Absolute blast! It was like the grand championship or something like that ryan blaney ryan blaney we're gonna loop this guy in in a second i knew he'd have something to say um but it was a lot of fun i went with uh mckenna and presley's boyfriend nick actually oh cool had a great time you know you know how i am like i cannot begin to tell you how many things i have gotten myself into just by acting like you belong right Yes, yes, yes. We've talked about this before. And this uh... was no different. You know, we didn't have a parking pass. We had great tickets, but we didn't have a parking pass. And I'm like, just driving up and I drive up right to the track, you know, and it's traffic is thick. And there's this parking lot right across the street from the track, the brown lot or something like that. And I'm like, I'm watching the guy who's like checking the passes and he's getting very distracted. And I'm like, (laughs) watch this. Hold my beer. Watch this. Do the old, uh, oh, here's my pass. Thanks, bye. No, he he turned, and I, I saw it. It was like there's a pattern going. So I'm like, watch this, guys. And he did a 
did it. He turned. He wasn't paying attention. And I just drove right past him into this lot, which is right across the street from the track. Otherwise, it would have taken me two hours to get out of there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I, I have spent those two hours trying to get out. Real, real, yeah. real quick disclaimer for all the kids yeah. listening out there. Ken was drinking a root beer while he was driving and not passing around beer, getting no. into the track. And he actually paid for his parking spot later. Totally. Yes. <laughs> all, all on the up and up. Truth be told, it was fireball. <laughs> <laughs> You did say it was the brown lot. So. Yes, hey, exactly, in NASCAR, exactly. there was a guy named Fireball Roberts. Oh, oh look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And uh, Diplo was the pre-show entertainment. Oh, that, have you heard of this guy? Kind of fits. Have you heard of him? <laughs> I mean, I have heard of him. Yes. I just can't see him at a NASCAR Well, that event. was my thing. But that's why McKen and uh, Nick wanted to go so bad, because they wanted to see Diplo, of course. Ah. And uh, we snuck our way into the infield, like, 10 rows back from Diplo, and it was freaking awesome. That's cool. We had an absolute blast, but everything's good. And I think I also found the Fountain of Youth, as a matter of fact. Um, I, I'm curious what you're talking about. Have you seen the advertisements for Rise Mushroom Coffee? Uh, R-Y-Z-E, free plug, don't get used to it. No, but is this like the, the mushroom coffee that's like yes. coffee replacement? Yes. How is this? Oh, I mean, my gosh. Uh, it's, I've only been drinking it for a couple of weeks, but it is potentially life-altering. Uh, Lexi's been on this mud water stuff. I think it's the same thing. Might be the thing. same type of thing. Yeah. Muddy, muddy mushrooms. Yeah. yeah, you'll, 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 it'll, it'll get stale, trust me. Like, you'll, you'll eventually be like, okay, I want oh, actual man. coffee. Let's loop uh, Dr. Nick in. He's with us this evening. Dr. Nick, good to see you, my friend. Hey, yo. How's it going, everybody? Last time we saw you, um, we were... Uh, we're in a beer garden in Germany or something. We were in a beer garden in Germany. Yes. Yeah. Last time we were hanging out. What's yeah. that? Ein Biergarten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. That. And by the way, I think that. our guest actually took German in college. We can we're going to get to that. He well, did. Yes. We yes. are going to get to that. Um, Wait, I just, what's I, real yeah. Go ahead. I, I just have to ask real quick, real quick, Sean, mm -hmm. that couch. You mentioned being in the dirty tea in Tucson last week. Yes. Is that where you bought the couch? Uh, no, no. There's a long history behind that couch. Not as long as my college days, but uh, it goes back to before my wife and I were married, and there's a whole thing, and it's just taken a long journey to get here. Let's just say that. If that couch could talk. Yeah, if that couch could talk. There'd be it, some stories. There, there would be some definite stories. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then the I wanted... Yeah, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, hence the reason we have the uh, parental guidance or parental yes, discretion. Yes, yes. Oh, one of those yes. reasons, yes. So that truly is the geo, you know, geoholics couch. I, I got it. But I wanted to ask a geospatial question. You mentioned NASCAR. Mm -hmm. So what's the fun fact about where the track is in, for NASCAR in Phoenix? As a geospatial land surveyor, oh, you may I know, know uh, yeah, go ahead, go why ahead. the yeah, track yeah. in Phoenix is cool, an international uh, speedway. Yep. Um, great question, Nick. And fortunately, I'm able to answer that. Uh, the initial point for Arizona, basically, where all surveys at one point in time began, is up on a small mountaintop mm -hmm. just adjacent to the track. And you can actually you can hike up there. It's not a difficult hike, but people sit all on that side of the mountain and watch the race from there. Mm. But they've, they've capitalized on it because now you have to buy spaces there, of course. It's not like a freebie thing. And they probably don't realize what they're sitting next, you know, they probably don't. Most, no yeah, idea what know. that is. Yeah. I was like, why is this crap in the way? And, mm -hmm. but yeah. Exactly. But no, great question, Nick. Appreciate you asking that. Everything else good with you and the, and the wife? Yes, I have. Um, I probably shouldn't mention this, but <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, my You're wife, pregnant. Nick's pregnant. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my uh, 
there it is. With all that Pilsner we drank. Yeah, there's, a, yeah there's that beer garden belly. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, so my wife uh, successfully defended her uh, dissertation for her doctoral exam on Monday. Nice. And nice. She yep. will walk and be a doctor December 8th. Wow. wow. Two doctors, Two in, the doctors in the house. Two doctors in the house. Oof. We call that Dr. Squared. Dr. Squared. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. She's going to do awesome. I can't wait to oh, see yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. what Super her next exciting. step is for sure. Um, yeah, okay. Let's move on. Tell us about that opening number there. Oh, uh, they uh, repeat for the uh, Geoholics playlist. Uh, Weezer has been on before. Second time. Second time. A uh, song called Troublemaker. Everybody knows Weezer's American rock band. They were formed in L.A., in 1992, uh, Rivers Cuomo, Patrick Wilson, Brian Bell, and Scott Schreiner. Uh, known for their catchy melodies, quirky lyrics, and uh, the, the nerdy image, which I think they've kind of kind of passed over. Have they? But, uh, I think so. Mm. I think that was, uh, I think they're just cool now. But yep. uh, praise for the ability to blend power pop, punk rock, and alternative music in, or alternative rock into their music. Uh, they're influenced by many other musicians and have, has a dedicated fan base that spans multiple generations. They're just in Phoenix uh, a few months ago. They were, weren't they? Yeah. yeah I saw them, gosh, I don't know, 10 years ago. Great show. They're awesome. Yeah. Oh, Super yeah, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Lots of energy. Um, appreciate that. We are in the Wisdom Wednesdays ah, we are. studio this week. Uh, if you're not familiar with Wisdom Wednesdays, it is a weekly roundtable uh, discussion mm -hmm. that uh, folks can log on to and sign up for. And to find out more, you can go to wisdomwednesdays.xyz. That's where you go. Um, on that note, I am going to throw a plug in. It is the beginning of November. We are quickly coming to the end of our calendar year. We are. And we are renewing our Friends of the Program. We are. Sponsorships. So anybody listening, if you're interested, uh, please reach out to us at info at the uh, Tons of return on investment with this. Obviously. Having now over 150,000 listens from all over the world. Yep. Um, in addition to our expanding social media presence, mm -hmm. there is a lot going on. And we've got a lot of plans for next year as well, uh, including a... You're going to get mad when I say this because uh -oh. you're going to like, don't say something you can't, don't promise something you can't deliver on. What is it? The Geoholics Marketplace. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm excited about yes, that. Yes, it is going to be super cool. So anyway, shoot us an email, info at the geoholics.com if you have interest in that. Uh, time for the Airworks. Mm -hmm. Speaking of friends of the program. Speaking of. Random trivia what do you have for us this week Sean? um i mean we always i always say this it's random but not so random because uh, probably by the time we're, we're gearing up for it by the time this show will air we should be right before uh my favorite holiday thanksgiving so I, I actually got a couple uh and i'm doing a little bit of question and answer format this time <coughs> uh so i'll direct this to to you kent to see see what you got um okay uh how long did the first thanksgiving celebration last uh, 10 minutes. Three days. Three days. <laughs> uh, 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 under which president did Thanksgiving become an annual holiday? Um, I'll give you a hint. President. You should totally know this. Uh, George Washington. You should totally know this. Abraham Lincoln. Absolutely. It was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> uh, and the first, uh, the, the year, the first, what was the year? First celebration. 1492. 1621. Oh, uh, little thing about turkeys. Uh, what are turkey chicks called? Dr. Nick, do you know this? My ex-girlfriend? I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turkey chicks are called pults or turkeylings. 
Turkey legs? Turkey links. Oh, turkey turkey links. links. And, no, and what's the little red uh, red wobbly thing on their chin called? Uh, Anybody know? Uh, the gobbler. Uh, a snood. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then a couple couple last ones for our international folks. Uh, Thanksgiving in USA is always the fourth Thursday of November. Yep. Uh, but when is Canada's Thanksgiving? Ooh, it just passed not too long ago. It did? Yep. It is the second Monday of October. Second Monday of October. Yeah. yeah, I should know that. And where is the only place in Australia where Thanksgiving is celebrated? <sighs> Man, I'm, I'm sure Peter would know. Uh, Norfolk Island. Interesting. I wonder why. I have no idea. That's bizarre. Uh, actually, I bet you I can tell you here. I may have a... Let's just answer that really fast here. Uh, the custom was brought there by American whaling ships, and it just stuck. Hmm. The rest of Australia doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. Good to know. That was good stuff. And I knew that Thanksgiving was your favorite holiday. Like if you asked me what is Sean's favorite holiday, I knew it was gonna be Thanksgiving. One thousand. Because you like cook for twelve hours straight or something. I would prefer to Sean. cook the entire Thanksgiving meal. I do. A, I have to cook a minimum of two turkeys. I prefer to do three. Do you have any openings at the table this year by chance? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it's Friendsgiving. It's over at our friend's house uh, right now. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, did you just invite so me? So Sean, I did. wait. Oh. All right. Do, do you deep fry the turkey? Are you a baker? Uh, Are you a, a smoker? What do you, how's your uh, turkey? Actually, the my prefer I, I prefer I prefer to do three, and it's those three: <laughs> deep fry, roasting, and smoking. But last year I made three, and my wife told me that I made too much turkeys because we had to, we we it was wasteful. We threw away a bunch of turkey, and it was it was excessive. And I was really doing it just to do it. But yeah, yeah, best uh, leftovers ever, though. Oh, by far. And my my favorite is still deep frying a turkey. Uh, once you get good at it, man, it's it's the best way to go. So, Good stuff. I love it. All right. Next up, we have the Advanced Geodetic Surveys Weekly Words of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. Since we're going to be talking about technology a fair amount this evening, um, I came up with this. The biggest risk is not taking any risk. Yeah. In a world that is changing quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Interesting. Mr. Mark Zuckerberg. Ah, is behind okay, that one. Okay, I can see that. All see right, that, right. right? I like that. Yeah, that's good. All right, I think we've BSed enough. I think it's we time have, we, we have we've caught up enough. Guest in here for uh, for this episode, and of course, the guest is presented by XYHT Magazine. If you haven't got your free XYHT Magazine yep, subscription, yep. go to xyht.com forward slash subscribe, mm -hmm. and it takes about thirty seconds to sign up. Hey, Kent. Real quick, let's talk about extreme aerial productions. Let's do that. Also known as EAP, they are passionate about capturing the perfect shot. Founded in 2014, Extreme Aerial Productions is a professional aerial drone, video, and photography company based right here in Scottsdale, Arizona. From the ground to the air, they capture it all from scanning to BIM, from topo to design. They've got you covered. Uh, yeah, they really do. They work in all 50 states are FAA approved for commercial drone operations and backed by the best aviation insurance money can buy. They have the highest grade drone equipment available, meaning their clients receive the most professional photography and videos. And I don't think I'm making this up, but if you book more than one flight, you'll actually get a date with the one and only Mark Taylor. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> to find out more, go to ExtremeAerialProductions.com. We have Steve Smith with us tonight. Steve is with Bluebeam. A little bit about Steve before we allow him to talk. He is 
was born in Utah, spent time growing up in California and New Hampshire, and currently lives in Atlanta, we found out just before the show. He attended BYU for his undergrad in German studies, of all things. Interesting. And he received his, or achieved, received, however you want to describe that, his MBA from Thunderbird. Uh, I believe that's here in Phoenix, correct? Uh, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out here in just a second, yeah. His uh, hobbies include gardening, DIY projects, basketball, which, I'm, from what I understand, he's a freaking stud of basketball. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he loves watching his kid play sports. Kids play kids play sports. Don't want to single anybody out. He is currently the director of partnerships uh, at Blue Beam Inc. And I cannot wait to find out more about Blue Beam because I've just been starting to get into it recently. So this oh, is going to no. be great. You're, are you a new, new guy? Fairly new. Okay, fairly new. Right. Yes. Well, let's find out. Steve, welcome to the G-Hawks. Thanks for being here. Um, let's have some fun. What do you think? I'm all for it. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be Absolutely. here. Your first podcast, so this is this is great. I love when people come on. They've never been on a podcast, and fingers crossed, by the end of it, you're going to be like, this is the best experience ever. I can't wait to do it again. So, Well, uh, I have done a couple podcasts, but this is my first oh. with you, so I think mm. let's make it Ooh. Really Ooh. Okay. Right. Okay, so we're not as big as we think we are. No, no, All really right. Shots not. fired. Yeah. Shots fired. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so before we move on, we have to do the Trimble Pro Point sure. Icebreaker, and uh, we've used this one a couple times in the past, and I love it. So this is for Steve, of course. If you could have any superpower related to technology, what would it be and how would you use it? Okay. So I worked for Leica Geosystems for 10 years. And uh, one of the things, I was in the reality capture division when I finished my, my time there. And every time I'd walk into a space, I would always think, oh, I would love to scan this space. So I would, I would actually create some sort of ability to create a point cloud wherever I go. Just mobile mapping, yep. full fidelity, RGB, everything, just point clouds, and I could just bring them up in full 3D anywhere I go. Yep. Interesting. I think we're probably not too far from that. I don't think we're too far from uh, from. <laughs> From scanning to point cloud glasses and everything 100%. just goes in there. <laughs> totally agree. But I do think that's interesting because do you actually want a a, a full 3D <laughs> no, record of turn everything that you – oh, okay, you can turn it on and off. <laughs> Discretionary. Because I'm sure – I know you see those commercials yeah. where it's like you're having a fight with your wife and she's yeah. like, oh. Let's go back to the tape. And you're like, okay, maybe yeah. not. <laughs> yes, but there might, might be a market for that on the dark web. Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, sure, it surely exists right now. Uh, yeah, for the sure. Nefariouspointclouds.com. Yes, right. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Nick, I'm just curious. Have we asked you that question before? Because I would be curious to know what your answer is. I don't think so. Um, but you know what I was going to say? Uh, and this is going to be a little weird, but magnetism. So like Expected. X-Men, like, like Magneto, yeah. but like magnets magnetism like the control of force and technology i don't know mm-hmm. that'd be really cool not to mention epically powerful interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. good Everything stuff you know what my answer like- is right uh what was it uh you know how you remember from the the matrix where oh yeah like you you, you go and they you know put the thing i just picture like i could just put like a like an sd card in my head and be like oh now I know Kung Fu and like, boom, like I just Fu know everything. I'm like, well, that was from the matrix, but you know, yeah. like, you know, anything It's like, Oh yeah. Now I know Turkish. Oh yeah. If that was, if that's I, again, I don't think we're too far from that. I, I you know, just, yeah. I just, you know, like to be smarter. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's learn a little bit more about Steve here. So Steve, obviously with your educational background, um, 
German studies. You got your MBA, of course. How in the world did you become passionate about the AEC industries? Well, straight straight out of high school, I was working for a general contractor, kicking dirt as a laborer. Um, I had the illustrious job of cleaning up after every after every day. So I was really good at a broom, but they let me use some really cool tools. I, I was operating um, equipment that I may or may not have been certified to do when it was a rainy day. Sure. Um, it was really fun to get out there and start working in, in construction. So that's really where it started. And then um, I, I had a knack for German um, over the years. I've developed that ability. And so I knew I would go back to do grad school. So I started doing German studies and then knew I would go get an MBA at some point. So um, that's where that came from. And it, it's become actually quite useful because I've worked for Hilti Leica and now uh, oh, Bluebeam, yep. which is owned by Nemechek, which is a German holding company. So I sometimes have to walk into meetings and say, Achtung, ich kann Deutsch, which means careful, I speak German. So, ah, see? Uh, so what you're saying that. is you have, you have co-workers <laughs> that assume that because you're American, oh, you, right? and uh, you yes. know, for oh, Nick, you've got really good, you've got really good Aussprache. That, that's like the way you speak. You, you, you've got to figure it out. There's some German somewhere mm. in there, I can tell. Because you said Biergarten correctly. Mm. I know yeah. my, my father comes out to Stuttgart, so I'm speaking a bit in Deutsch. Wow, Süddeutschland, yeah. super. We can do this in German if you want, Dr. Nick and uh, I can no. just... Well, well oh, I mean, I must well, admit, like, we can, we can I, I can show you the statistics. <laughs> our German audience, like, like mm. quintupled after our... Uh, oh, there you go. We've got, like, people so, in Germany listening Yeah, now. yeah that means one, one to five, but still, like, uh, it's a big increase. Uh, and, and Nick is a doctor, of course. He probably he should know he German, no, of course. Well, I don't know. You put me in my place. I, I, you asked me a trivia question. I didn't know it. I was a disappointed. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, obviously you become very passionate about the AEC industry, even referring to it as the coolest industry. Um, why do you think that? Well, for me, I think that, okay, this is a little bit more about me, but but I guess when I was at, in grad school and I was telling my former well, they're, they're still friends, but I'd say, hey, I'm going into the construction industry. I, I got a job with, landed a job with Hilti right out of, right out of uh, my, my graduate studies. And they're like, oh, what industry is that? Well, it's in construction. And I was like super excited about it. And everyone's like, oh, construction. Almost like, you know, I'm like, this is a, and so this is, this is like the way I kind of like built this like small man syndrome about it. I'm like, Listen, do you drive on roads? How do you get to work? Where do you live? Like construction for me, it's so ubiquitous that people downplay it. Like That's they awesome. really do. And it's like, I, I know that the, 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 the civil side, the, the survey side is a little offshoot from that same industry. But my, my, I just am like, man, have you ever thought about what it takes to build something? And that, this industry does that. And so for me, being like rubbing shoulders with, with people that solve these massive technical problems and design these amazing spaces. And it's, it's unbelievable to just hear what they do. And every time I go to a trade show or, or put on uh, my steel toes and go to a job site, my mind is blown by something every yeah. single time yeah. and just talking with customers. So that's really where my passion came from was it's just like this, this is one, this is the coolest industry to work in. And yeah. um, I just, I'm so sick and tired of hearing that, construction is is an old industry they don't use technology or that you know civils like this like this aging out thing you know like there's a bunch of gray gray beards i'm like what i'm seeing is dynamism 
new mm. technologies yep. that that everyone is adopting, right? Like it, there's no modern job site that exists that doesn't have something really cool being rolled out. Um, and again, one final little little I'll get off my stump in a second, but but like when you're when you're when you're saying to to someone at, at a job site trailer, hey, can I walk your job? I've got something that's interesting. They'll open the door to you if it's a damn job. If it, it doesn't matter if it's if it's if it's a big job, you would never get on that site if it was already handed over to the owner ever. But if you have something that can change the way they work, you have an open door because mm -hmm. construction is, in my opinion, the most collaborative mm -hmm. and most complex industry, which I think makes it the most interesting. And um, there's a lot of open doors to just, hey, what do you got What that's new? Um, and so I think it's really cool for a tech firm to be in that space where we can help, you know, break down some of those barriers to some of the issues that are currently there. I'm not trying to minimize those. There's certainly issues, but it's a great place to be. Well, I would say that's the perfect lead up to uh, talking about Bluebeam. Sure. So if you would, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the company, you know, kind of what, what you guys do. Um, if you want to talk about the company culture and just what you love about working there, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. So Bluebeam is about 20 years old now. They, um, they really? were founded, they were founded as an offshoot, little fun fact, as an offshoot to JPL, which is associated with NASA. So um, they had a problem of, hey, how are we going to collaborate around, around drawings? Because they were in that 2D to 3D world too. Like, how do we like collaborate? What do we do? How do we mark things up? And that technology kind of spun out and um and became what it is today so um it it's essentially how you collaborate around drawings so if you think about what um and i have to i have to walk some of my bluebeam colleagues through this too like where do drawings come from you know <laughs> well a lot of drawings if it's an existing space it, it let's say there was an as built right and they used a laser scanner to copy it um you know or to, to capture it and then all of a sudden you're like okay what do i do with this thing all right someone's got to go and trace you know, they'll go, mm -hmm. they'll take the Z axis up, they'll trace the lines around a point cloud to make sure they get that drawing. And that's where the, that's where the magic happens. Not everyone's going to be licensed up to use Revit or CAD or some of these amazing point cloud tools that can fully, fully immerse you in the space. And so to get into like, okay, the nitty gritty details of I'm on the third floor of this office building, we're trying to get the, the HVAC systems installed. How do I do that? And how do we coordinate our efforts? So that that's where Bluebeam comes in, right? So you've got the VDC team, virtual design construction team, typically will own the model if it's a BIM related project. They will they will cut out these drawings and then they'll have to be collaborate. There has to be collaboration with the owner, the GC, the architect, the subs, whoever else is there. And they'll mark up these drawings and that's where Bluebeam really is used quite heavily. Um, cause you can easily share a PDF that people can get in, mark up, collaborate with, um, and then get back in. And it's all, it's all construction based, right? So it's like, for example, if you mark something up, you can't delete someone else's markups, right? This becomes an important document of record mm. that says, oh, the sub said they would do this on this time, or there's an RFI process that's official. And this is when someone said, yes, we'll do the work or this needs to be changed or we have a question. So it's all really served up in a very simple way, but in a way that really works for construction. And so the idea behind it is it's, it's a, lo a lot around drawings and it's a lot around how we collaborate and use that information to 
to make daily decisions that are really kind of the, the meat and potatoes. It's not a construction management software. It's more collaborating around drawings and markups, um, specifically around the PDF format. Oh, I know Bluebeam very well. Yeah. Do you use it? Uh, me personally, no, because I don't actually do any work, any work <laughs> per se. <laughs> um, I'm more yell at people about the work that they do. Oh. Um, but, uh, in my experience, if you are, uh, in, uh, in the civil engineering space and you generate drawings and Bluebeam is, is the tool yep. that connects between those drawings and everybody else. Yeah. 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 I'm, at David Evans, we use it for everything. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I, it is I, I a could, huge yeah, yeah. tool. It's a huge tool. Yeah. And it's because of what uh, of what Steve is talking exactly. about. Exactly. Like the, the markup layers and, you know, you can, because you, if you just go traditional, you can really do a lot of damage during oh, gosh, the process yeah. and then spend most of your time backtracking that damage yep. just to get review comments. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I hadn't used it much before uh, going to David Evans. And it is such a useful tool. It's it's incredible. And the it's powerful. It really mm. is. So I have a Go question ahead. for you, Steve. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've got a background in construction, um, you know, literally, like you said, riding brooms and, you know, being good at the broom at the beginning and you worked your way all the way up, into, you know, being a director for like the BLK at Leica. Can mm -hmm. you talk about how Bluebeam is agnostic or interoperable with all the different like DWGs, DGNs, maybe other different type of Revit files, SketchUp files, maybe GIS files, like maybe talk a little bit more for anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about? Because like, for some reason, it just popped up in my head, right? Like, I know you have a background at Leica, so you go in and scan this room. Maybe you could even talk through this kind of process from A to Z quickly. Like, how would uh, you go scan the room, create these data, get the data into the appropriate formats, share with constituents, you know, et cetera. And, you know, talk through it a little bit more. Sure. Happy to do it. Um, and, and just full disclosure, like, I... Um, you mentioned Leica, but I recognize that like anytime I say Leica, then like two thirds of the surveying crowd, civil crowd is like, oh, I'm shutting off as a Leica guy. Um, but the cool <laughs> thing about my current role now is one of our best resellers actually is Topcon. So Topcon sells for us and we have integrations on the books with both Leica Geosystems and uh, and Trimble. So um, I, I'm, I'm we're, we're wide open and that is actually it's a little it's a little anecdotal, but it, it reflects how we at Bluebeam look at the ecosystem of BIM um, standardization, different file types. So uh, Bluebeam is owned by a holding company in Europe called Nemechek, and they they own they own several brands in the AEC space, AECO space. And uh, our overall posture is open. Right. So open formats. We want we want to 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 focus on, for example, IFC is a format we've harm, we've harmonized around from a BIM perspective, and we don't want to create different gauges of railroad, if you will. Um, now, clearly, with Bluebeam, we 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 consume and work a lot around PDFs, and so if I'm going to take a step back to that 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 uh, that person that that persona, I guess that's creating a point cloud. What happens from there? I'm a small outfit, but I need to create a drawing. It would be quite simple. Uh, to have a, a scanner, you scan a space, and then um, you you take that point cloud. And of course, there's many different places you could do it. Um, there's there's Nemechek solutions that could do it. There's Autodesk solutions that can do it. Uh, Brixis is also a hexagon company. They they have solutions there that you could actually trace over that point cloud as a layer 
and then that would that would generate a DWG file that you can then um, you know process. Make sure you've got it all all, all cleaned up. Uh, is your draw, drawing your line work, if you will, and then you generate that PDF, and that's when it would come out to Bluebeam. And that collaboration would come into an official drawing set in many cases. Sometimes they're not as official or formal, the workflows. They just need to do a quick, like a quantity takeoff, for example. That might be something that's 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 often used in construction in the civil space. How many beams are there over here or whatever? How long was that run? Um, how many how many piles were there? I don't remember. It's just a quick takeoff of the drawing itself. They do that as well. There's like tools you can use to do counts and linear measurements and stuff like that. So that's that's pretty much where it is. And then you know if it's a formal, then it'll if it's a formal process, it'll end up in some document management system stored as a PDF as like the system like the 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 system of record for that project. And then sometimes if it's informal, then then it was just kind of a scratch pad, if you will. But that's that's essentially a little bit about the workflow that that I that I see often um, with, from customers. Oh, I got I gotta ask real quick. I'm gonna be uh, the ignorant guy, but you said uh, do you use the term AECO? Yeah. What's yeah. So AEC Architects Engineering and Construction, like that's AEC, and then the O would be the owners. Oh, I like yeah. that. That's good. You're, you're trying to loop in the, the yeah. uh, I see what you're doing there, Steve. I you like see it. That? Yeah. So so the owners <laughs> the owners is a stakeholder group, and they're it's actually different. Regionally, the owners it depends kind of on where you are. The owners in some places, particularly in Europe, they're much more involved in the construction process, for example. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they take, and we're seeing that actually in some places in the States too, where owners are being more involved. They aren't just handing it over to, um, to the GC to handle all that or the, the construction management company. There, there are some projects where that, of course, and, and the big O for government jobs, that's the, of course they have a lot of oversight. So right, we, yeah. we have that because we, at Nemechek, we do have solutions in the, in the owner space as well. So that's why I brought that so, up too. So why do you think that Steve, like where, what's the change? Why, why are owners getting involved at such a, you know, usually they've been a 30,000 foot, why are they getting into the trenches? And I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I think Dr. Nick, you made a note about digital twins. I think in one I've of never, them. I've never talked about it ever. Nope. Okay, so, so the idea <laughs> we have of never mentioned twins, that on so, this show. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I, again, I haven't listened to all of your all of your episodes, but it, it comes down to that idea of digital twin. So it used to be that that well, I guess it's still the case, but you you have this set of drawings and you give that that there's like the handover process, right? And um, it's not like a car. Like if I go, if I get, we'll use a German make, right? Because you guys were recently in Germany. We'll just do that. Okay. So you're going to pick your BMW three series up. You Station have no wagon. idea how Station many times. <laughs> okay. How many times that BMW three series didn't pass inspection? You don't know. It, they they might've had a problem with the struts. There might've been something wrong with the engine that they had to swap out. You don't know. All you know is that when it crossed through the final doors there in Bavaria, it works. And so the, that works for a car, right? But for a building, like what, how did I get to the state or what is actually behind the walls? What, what exists? So this digital twin is now putting the owners and that's, that's, I guess the trend that I'm talking about. Owners are becoming more involved earlier in the process to, to, because they want that digital twin. When you then, say owners, the property owner. The who property owns owner. The, so that's what I was confused. I'm like, who, yes. the, what constituent are you talking about? I got yeah, the, the guy owner. who's spending the money. 
you got it. And so as you're, as you're, as you're delivering over this, this thing, like what, what is it? How did we get here? Like, what is, what actually exists there? And that digital twin mindset, it's almost taking BIM and turning it into like, okay, how do I operate this thing, this road, this bridge, this whatever, and how did we get here? So I think that's, that's one of the, the ways you could describe that trend. Um, you know, the, the owners okay. of a project who's going to receive the property at the end of a, of a, of a project. Yeah. So it's, so it's kind of like, uh, like, a, uh, not just an as built, but like, a like, a like the, the whole, like the whole thing as built, not just a static 2d as built, but the, mo the, the as built model, maybe if, if that's a better word. Right. But it almost seems like not to jump in, but like almost more than that right so as built like in the aec industry are like the the joke of the class right like n no as built's ever correct it's always mm -hmm. after the fact nothing represents reality but when you get into true digital twin this thing i've never talked about before and bim <laughs> right like 2d 3d 4d 5d yes. 6d now the owner has return on event like it's a quantitative amount like the owner is now partaking in not just a post facto layout, but maybe they're making decisions during the process or I'm assuming, right? Like they're jumping in and integrating because it's theirs, right? Like they want to know it, you know, maybe exactly. actively participate, not just during like the greenfield or the building, but actually during the management of, of the thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where uh, Nemechek and Bluebeam specifically, we're, we're trying to, to kind of insert that thinking into into where the industry is not that we can predict the future but but we're seeing that and so like for example what would a markup mean if we were actually going to going to hand it over to to the owners because that's starting to happen more and more and of course there's a bunch of legalities around it right that 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 of course customers might not share every single interaction that they have with with the sub if there's something that that goes to litigation or something like that. But 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 if it but the general functionality of a digital twin, it almost has to start earlier in the project for it to actually work. And particularly as we think about sustainability, that's also a big part of what we're seeing as a trend globally. That that the what did it take to build this thing? What is the what is the the footprint from a sustainability standpoint of this building? Um, from a, from a carbon standpoint. So there's a lot of new things that are coming into the construction industry that are gonna require a different way to think and collaborate. And so that's what we're seeing our customers talk about too, so. Hey Kent, before we go any further, tell me about TopoDot. Well, before we get to that, let me mention that TopoDot has been a loyal contributor to the Geoholics since day one. And as a surveyor, you know the importance of maintaining quality control through your process. Uh, I just found out recently there is actually more than 6,000 users all over the world that trust TopoDot software to accurately extract topographic features from point clouds. Man, that's really cool. Like, uh, how can I find out more information? Well, first of all, I think all of our listeners should give them a call to get a demo on one of their very own projects and be ready to be blown away by their automatic modeling tools. Do they have a website? They do. For more information, simply go to topodot.com. So, Steve, currently, like, what percentage of the AEC industry is still reliant on non-digital methods? I think it's growing, it's getting, it's getting smaller and smaller. And I heard this little quote and it was like even five, 10 years ago that, 
that the construction industry is keeping the flip phone in business. And now the flip phone is like back. So, so I don't, that, that one doesn't work as well, but I think that the analogy is somewhat, somewhat uh, alive and kicking. Now, if it's a simple tenant improvement job, not a big deal, right? You might be able to get away with a non-digital delivery. Um, but it, just, just, just think about this. When you were in airports in the nineties, how many times did you see smart people um, bringing around drawings, like physical drawings, as they would fly around the country to go to projects. You'd see it all the time. Yeah. Oh man, um, those tubes, like in the tubes. Yeah. yeah, you're you're you must be doing something good, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So, but that doesn't happen, and and the reason for that is this this trend towards digital digital delivery. And so, in some cases, in some cases, um, that may still exist. I don't think that it's super prevalent, and part of it is because the the cost. If, I mean, our, our subscriptions are, are pretty easy, pretty easy to obtain for a small business. That's one of our that's one of our um, key markets is is the small the small uh, business owners that they're like, hey, I've got a small outfit, but I need to do something with my drawings. What's out there? And that's that's where uh, we've seen a lot of growth in that in that set. Some of that really hit, I'd say, in the early knots, like the early thousands. There was like a big move towards what can I do? I don't like paper. Um, and the other thing, the other thing I would kind of point to, and this is this has got some geomatic stuff, is if you look at all the digital layout robots and that you see HP involved there, that should tell you something. If HP isn't interested in printing paper anymore, but rather printing on concrete on job sites, that should tell you that there's a major trend going on and it's moving more towards towards um, digital solutions. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like to think that the uh, the construction industry was keeping the rubber band industry alive. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the, the only reason why you need a huge bag of rubber bands oh, is to <laughs> induct it. <laughs> right. That's the truth. It's so funny. Um, so how, like, what are the advantages of going this route? So for me, uh, I'll use a, another, another analogy. Um, as we look at some of the technology adoptions that we've seen globally, for example, um, the rural the rural communities in India and China they didn't ever have to get a landline for example ever that's they just crazy said, oh, I can get I can get yeah, I can get this this thing that's awesome so I'll get this thing and I can talk to the world cool and so the benefit even if you feel like you're a little okay I don't know how to adopt technology you're going to you're going to take advantage of something that is is light years ahead of the peers that have had to go through that entire innovation curve. And so even if you're starting late, start simple, you're probably doing more than you think you are in terms of technology adoption. Um, and, and I think that that would be kind of my, my insight there is that you're starting now. Great. You're doing more than you give yourself credit and you can, you can jump over a lot of those stumbling blocks that your peers had to fight their way through. And the other thing, like th that's like the carrot side, the stick side is you have to do certain things from a digital perspective to stay relevant and survive. We don't have enough people working in the construction and surveying industries, civil industries. We don't have enough time really to get the jobs done that we need to. So we have to be more efficient and technology is a driver there. That's, it's pretty pretty well known. And, and even those that are, that are hesitant to pick up new technology, um, they they know that if you really ask them and sit them down, they're like, I know, I just haven't taken the time. So that's what I'd say there. 
All right, so I got to ask this, and I may derail some of the some of the questions here, as usual, as usual. But uh, <laughs> I got to bring up, and it, I'm certain this is going to tie right in. Uh, we were at dinner at Roads and Streets, yep. and a couple of your colleagues got into a conversation about digital delivery, and yeah. what does that look like when projects go to a hundred percent digital delivery? As in, yeah. that model never actually makes it into a two D, whether it ever gets printed or not it just always exists at a model i am certain that's something that you guys are well aware of and it, it, integral in that process do you have you know talk a little bit about where you think that's going and what does that look like from your perspective on how to deliver a project in that purely digital space good question sean thank you yeah, that's not a derailer. That was like, I was expecting something like pop culture, you know, like way out there. That was like, that was right in line. For, for, for me, I think the idea of digital delivery is only going to be more and more pervasive in our industry. There's, um, there's, there's a fear factor there about, sure. oh my yeah. goodness, I'm super nervous. Um, there's the other side of this is there's legal precedent. Digital delivery mm -hmm. cannot get out in front of what's legally available. Because can you just imagine you go you go to arbitration and you've got a judge and they're like, I don't yeah. know, bring up the model. That'll solve it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So there, there has to be like this entire, like, and our industry is smart enough to handle it. 100%, right? Like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, like one of the cool things, I'll just make a little anecdote about this. Uh, laser scanning, how it how it totally changed how things work in um, in public safety, right? So public safety it was the, is a space where laser scanning has transformed has transformed the entire industry of, fi of finding out justice and getting there, right? Before they were out there with like measuring tapes and everything. Now you can capture the scene quickly and do and do that. So there's legal precedent sure, yeah. for taking quote unquote digital deliveries. That, that can that can then bring things forward uh, even from a legalistic standpoint but I think I think that that's part of it too if you're nervous about digital delivery just know just know that the projects as they stand today are not quite there yet however um, looking at some of these countries that are that are much farther along like Scandinavia has a very aggressive program around digital delivery um, there's still there's still space for you so if, if you were worried about digital delivery in an industry that, that didn't have a people problem, okay, there's a problem. But, but <laughs> right. we need every single person who has even some scrap of knowledge about construction or skilled trades, how to do a backside or a boundary survey, right? Those are relevant skills. So don't, don't, don't downplay that. Um, but digital delivery, I think, is going to continue to pervade. And the idea of a model isn't quite as scary as people might think. All it is, is that instead of, instead of drawings, instead of paper, instead of at the end of a project, and I've, I've heard of projects like this. I, I came into the industry a little bit after this, but they would deliver like U-Haul trucks full of drawings and hand yep. up for some of these, for, for some of these larger projects. That was just the way that it that it went. That's not efficient. That paper's not going to age well, literally. Well, and so, the way anyway, I understand that's, that's it. And the way I understand it is, it's just not. It's, it's and it's not just getting rid of paper. It's getting rid of the idea that there needs to be a two D representation in, 
you know, we, we call them sheets, but just whatever it is, is why does it ever have to go from that model into a 2D space? And, and it's probably the, the, I think the A and the E's are okay. It's the C's yeah. that, <laughs> that will have trouble with. Or the O's. <laughs> or the O's. The O's are like, screwed. Okay, okay, I need to, like you said, I need to point to it. I need to have it, whether it's on an iPad or a piece of paper, I still need to be able to point to it or scale it. Yeah. And there, I think, is where there's some of the the fear is, is like, how do I how do For I sure. build this if I can't put a ruler on it, whether whether it's on paper or not? Yeah, but it's a generational thing. I, I, right? I know there is definitely a way and there's probably they probably do more without it than they mm -hmm. realize. But then there is all kinds of legal precedent on, OK, well, what actually counts? And then you got, you know, mm. drawing issues or like where the scale is or oh, I just plop that in the drawing and the contractor will figure it out yeah. in the field because they know based on these standards. And then how do you get notes and all notes. these other things? That's like how yeah. does, And then but then that could be like embedded in that model. And then yeah. you actually use that technology. Like imagine. It's not a 2D space, but it's the model, and then you click on it, and that detail pops up. And you've got your virtual reality glasses on. Exactly. You're, so, just, <laughs> you're just looking at it, and then it, you know, and then, yeah. you know, you have that, that digital trend rolling around, and you're like, oh, is this, no, no, it's red until it's green, and you're in your goggles, and oh, that's how I know it's in the right spot. Yeah. And Sean, makes, the cool it thing makes about perfect that, sense. The cool thing about that actually is, is that Bluebeam has been at that at that like nexus of taking paper and bringing it to a digital right. delivery, right? So right. these markups that like, for example, RFIs or punch, RFIs yeah. are requests for information. So it's a formal construction process where they're, they're asking, hey, I need to figure this out. It either needs to go to the architect or the engineering firm to help me figure out how to solve this. Um, and that goes down as like the digital that that's part of the digital delivery. It's just a PDF that has all this metadata built inside of it. Um, and you didn't know necessarily that you were creating it, but that's a digital record that's going to be there as like, as like a timestamp. So that just what you were describing, Sean, is exactly, is exactly what we've been doing and, and, and kind of pushing out into the market for, for quite some time. So it, it, it exists now. And like I said, give yourself some credit. It's, it's not as complicated as people make it out to be at least get okay. started. Well, and, oh, and I think geez. that's what uh, what people don't realize that the you said it like the amount of metadata that can exist in a PDF that you don't think you think it's just the drawing with the lines, but especially with using what you know you using Bluebeam, like there is all kinds of stuff that's embedded in there that you can use. So on that note, is Bluebeam a product or a service? Great Ooh. question. Ooh, a product or a service? So finally, um, Kent, you got a good question. <laughs> finally, you snuggled in there. Yeah, I see. Kent's got his one. arms in back. He's like, "This is a mic drop moment for me." It's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we are a SaaS company. So we we are a software as a service company. So we do have we do have uh, product names. When people log in and use and use our product, they typically are using. Uh, Bluebeam's product called Review, which is like the software that's on a Windows-based device. We have um, another product that's called um, it's a part of it's part of Review. It's called Studio that allows us to allows customers to to collaborate. So, for example, if you have a drawing and you're like, okay, I have this drawing, I need input, and this is where this is where kind of the magic happens with a lot of our use cases, is we have this PDF and we say, hey, come jump in this PDF and mark it up. And so you've got 
the the civil team jumps in and does this the vdc team jumps in and does this you've got you've got subs you've got owners you've got lots of comments going in there they're all recorded and little things that work for construction that would be hard for adobe you cannot delete someone else's comments if that makes sense right yeah so yeah. like like everyone's like this is this is a big deal like this is the other thing coming back to why i love construction like this building isn't just something that you consume and you're done with like it has to like that bridge has to last and have a have it has a useful life of 50 to 100 years if not more skyscrapers are like the, the the things that were put up in 1912 are purpose built and retrofitted to to be useful for a very long time and so the ability to be able to take that all those complex things and having all of these uh crazy construction people and surveyors and everyone else coming in and collaborating on a drawing um, is it's very simple. It's meat and potatoes type of innovation mm -hmm. that, that, that I think is just so cool to see because we don't know exactly how it's going to be used, but we just say, here, come collaborate, mark this up. There's colors, there's different stamps. There's lots of different um, tool sets that, 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 that can be used to kind of make this, this product sing for whatever application customers are using it for. Yeah, and I can't I can't say that, uh, uh, and maybe this is on the other side, but it can be a little intimidating. Like there is a lot of buttons when you go and you you just open a. a I, don't give me that look, Doctor Nick. I saw that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean there there's a lot going on, and I know it's because it's got so much capability. But man, right. like how how do you deal with that from a user standpoint? Like and talk maybe talk a little bit about the maybe some training or, or support that you guys can offer to help get over the, the initial shock of, wow, this has got a lot to it. Right. And, and I am not, I'm not an expert user. I, I, I definitely use review, but I'm not an expert user myself having relatively joined uh, relatively recently joined the company. Um, however, I can get in there and do certain things, which says a lot because I'm not a terribly advanced user myself. Well, sure, but you understand um, what I'm talking about then, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. And the, the cool thing about about review in particular is that there is a ton of like YouTube, YouTube content out there. So we just reached a milestone where we have three million customers that we've sold to in the construction really? industry. Yeah. So. So of the, if you huh. just take the law of averages, how many of these people are creative types? A lot of them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they've yeah. gone in and they've created a lot of amazing content, like tips and tricks. We have a very robust um, set of videos that we've created ourselves over the years that are, that are super useful. So literally going into YouTube, YouTube and writing in, how do I use Bluebeam products or how do I use review? Uh, Bluebeam's uh, software, you'll find a lot of good content there, both from us and from others. We also have some really solid resellers that have done an amazing job in in communicating that out to to our joint customers too. So there, there's a lot of ways to, to get it figured out. Um, in fact, another cool way is if you're just getting started with Bluebeam, we have these things called bugs. They're called Bluebeam user groups and they're all ah, over the country, okay. all over the world. And so if you're like, I, I use Bluebeam, but I'm not using it to its full potential, you can join one of these Bluebeam user groups very easily. And they're, 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 they're kind of fun. They have little activities that, they, that they'll do, events that they'll, that they'll, that they'll host. Um, Bluebeam folks are always at the bug meetings. Even if they're virtual, you, you have a, an opportunity to, to learn more and, and sharpen your skills if you're a 
super user or if you're just getting started, that's a good place to get to get stuff to. So what do you I, think the percentages is uh, real quick? What, what how many how many of the you know, you got three million users. Where yeah. does everyone land on that scale between beginners and super users? Because in my mind, it's only the guys that really know what they're doing use Bluebeam and the ones that don't. Uh, no, don't, don't, don't try it, but I don't think that's yeah. exactly the model and the, what you want to communicate. Exactly. So I was, I was in a meeting not too long ago with, uh, with, a, a general counsel and, uh, for one of the GCs, uh, so a lawyer and, and he's like, Oh, every time I open a PDF, I have to mark something up. Like, that's what I like, literally like words instead of like drawings. Right. So like, that's what he uses it for. And so he's got his own little <laughs> workflow that he uses Bluebeam for, that's uh, which cool. is fine. Right. That's one way. Um, and so that would be kind of on the, 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 like novice side, just like any, just like any curve that there's going to be more novice users than like hyper advanced users. Um, but I would say, I would say wherever you are, it's intuitive enough to get started and marking up with a very simple, like five minute YouTube tutorial. And then mm -hmm. you can kind of go from there. Um, the other cool thing I'll tell you about Bluebeam that I love, and you mentioned it earlier, like the culture, Bluebeam didn't gain traction to 3 million. And that's 3 million over the whole course of the company. That's not like we have 3 million today, but we have 3 million listed names of customers that we've that, that we've sold to, which is still a lot a, a big number. Um, but we got there by this viral approach. Hey, how do you do like literally the, how do you do collaboration with drawings, quick YouTube search and and like the tinkering types they bought and then they said, well, we could do this. And then it kind of harmonized. And then the entire VDC team is doing it or entire project, right? Because there's, pro you know, in, in years past, they did project-based, you know, software purchases sometimes, mm -hmm. um, which is not as big of a deal right now. A lot of times these corporate IT departments have kind of, you know, done away with some of that, unless you're a smaller outfit and you can just buy stuff um, as you need it. But, um, but that's kind of how, it's just this viral nature of someone saying, I tried something, Bluebeam works, and they tell somebody else. It's yep. not it's not an overly salesy approach. It's more like, hey, what are you doing? Do you use drawings? Cool. Try this. And that has been the, the recipe for success. And it's multiplied across the U.S. industry, U.S. construction, AEC industry, um, all the way uh, uh, globally. We're quite strong uh, across across the world. So oh, sure. It, we love we love entry level, like just starting out like <laughs> users. That's that's what we need. We need people to to tinker and, and, and figure things out. And, and we have a very robust feedback loop from in the industry into what we put into our products going forward. That's another key area of success was listening and building it into what our next, next revision will be. Mm. I can't tell you those that it, you, you really, you really got yourself go something going here. Cause you, those that start with it and they're like, okay, I need to use it to, you know, for with design or collaboration, you can never go back. It, it becomes so like inherent to their workflow that sure. it is just not possible to use yeah. anything else. And is, I'm sure you know that too. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So would you say typically there's a transition to using Bluebeam or is it like flip a switch, you're either in or you're out? Real, real hmm. quick, Steve, I'm gonna jump in. Um, we're gonna, really quick, we're gonna pipe in an expert named ChatGPT. And I, I asked ChatGPT, <laughs> Is Bluebeam software easy to use? Are you ready to see what ChatGPT says oh, about love your this. software? I'm confident. I'm not nervous. I'm confident. <laughs> I wish I was that confident with the Gators. Um, okay, so um, 
<laughs> so ChatGPT says, as of my last knowledge update in January 2022, so apparently all your complex things came after 2022, uh, Bluebeam Review is generally considered user-friendly, especially for professionals in the architecture, engineering, construction, AEC industries. Uh, Bluebeam is a PDF solution that includes features specifically designed for those industries, such as markup and collaboration tools. Uh, the ease of use can vary depending on your familiarity uh, with similar software and your specific needs. Bluebeam provides a range of tools for creating, editing, and collaborating on PDF documents, which can help uh, for tasks like reviewing and markups. To assess the current user-friendliness, it's always a good idea to check the latest reviews, user feedback, and possibly try out a trial use, uh, version of the software. So perhaps we need to tell everybody where to get a trial, but apparently ChatGPT is a fan. So go ahead, Steve, you pass the bar. Um, this is basically our entire That's editing. Awesome. <laughs> uh, thank God for ChatGPT, right? Yes, for sure. So so back to my question, I mean, how, what, what does that process look like? Is it a transition? Like if somebody's considering going digital, is it a transition into Bluebeam or is it a, you know, flip a switch and here we go? I think, I think it's more, I think it's more a flip a switch. Um, because again, the way, the way that we've grown is sometimes through these traditional means, like someone walks up to a trade show and says, Hey, what's Bluebeam? Let me figure it out. Um, we were just at Con Expo, which is a massive construction show. Right. Um, and, and it was hard for us to find people that didn't know who Bluebeam is. They would walk yeah, up okay. and say, hey, show me this, yeah. like, show me this cool tip or, oh, I, I tried to do this. How do you do it? It was more like people coming in with those specific questions, um, can't uh, more along the lines of like, Hey, how do I do this? And we show them how to do it. So I would say that the, the growth of Bluebeam is like some guy in the, in two cubes over, over uses it. And you're like, oh, is that how you do markup? How does that work? And they would walk over and that's literally how Bluebeam has grown. Yeah. Um, that that internal viral departmental, like by department, by department, by project, by project. That's how we've grown. Um, and there's always been um, these, and again, these, like, we call them champions, like these bug champions. Yeah. They're, they love this product because we're, not to say that there aren't there aren't really good corporate players out there, but sometimes, like how many times have you heard um, someone said, I have this piece of survey gear that's going to fix everything. It's going to have everything. We don't, we don't typically do, we don't see that at Bluebeam. It's more like, do you use drawings? How do you use them? Would this be interesting? It's, and that's mm. generally how we've approached the market. And so we, but the, there's, they were not, we don't, we don't have a solution for everything at Bluebeam. We don't but we're really good at markups and we're really good at collaboration. Yeah. And so we, we kind of lean into that and we let, we let the professionals um, kind of do the work from there to, to kind of evangelize, if you will, or to spread it out. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, that, that's been one of the, the growth factors. And so I would say that if, if, you, if you're just starting out and you feel like it's hard, there's lots of self-help resources, self-serve resources. And if you really need some help, uh, beyond that, you can always reach out to Bluebeam. If you just go to bluebeam.com, you can get trial licenses. You can you can try things out um, very easily um, just by going to our website and downloading downloading um, a, a free trial. So, quick question for you: If I am a Bluebeam user and Sean is not, and I do a markup using Bluebeam, and I mm -hmm. send it to Sean in an email, can he yeah. still uh, can he still benefit from that? Yes. And see, that's the other cool thing 
is um, particularly like, here's the thing we, we need that collaboration, right? We have to have that's I saw that fist bump. You guys are, you guys, I saw it. I, I got the camera on. Um, but, but what happens is you get invited to a studio session and you're like, I have to collaborate and provide markups. You can't do everything that 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 you maybe would want to do, but you can do simple markups. There's simple functionalities. And I'm not gonna go through each one and I don't know every single, you know, box that you can do or things that you can't. But I will say that there's enough in there for you to do to do markups and collaborate, even if you're a quote unquote unpaid collaborator. So we have we have the ability to do that too. Um, but the cool thing there is they download a trial license and they try it themselves after it's relatively easy to jump into a studio session, click, do a markup and be like, huh, I wonder if I could do that in another project. So that's another way for us to kind of push through. And and we, I mean, we, we there's a lot of value created in what we're doing. I'm not trying to say that the price point is so cheap that everyone can, I mean, it is an investment, but uh, but I feel like we have a, a good, a good uh you know, value for money model that that works for construction. Otherwise, we wouldn't have grown the way that we have. What does that business model look like? Is it a um, like if you know we're a company of nine hundred people and Sean's a company of one hundred and fifty people? What does the business model look like? How how does that subscription work? So you can get it by the number of the number of users, the number of seats, but then it's 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 a SaaS um, subscription. So it's it's basically billed out annually. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What um, are there any particular case studies that come to mind where Bluebeam has really made a huge impact? Um, there's there's one that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there's there's a, an HVAC contractor here in the Atlanta area, and I was visiting with them, and they they were walking me through one of their workflows, and they said, "Hey, um, like we use Bluebeam all the time," and so. You've got, I saw two monitors. There was one that had Outlook and one that had Bluebeam Review, and that's what they used. And um, I thought it was kind of a victory lap for for me, at least, to, to see this. They would get these drawings. They would be cut out from the model. They would be served up to them from the virtual design construction team, the VDC team. And then they would do their markups. They would actually mark up all their schools that they would actually, they, so fabrication would come from Bluebeam markups. Um, so like there's, instead of, instead of saying, Hey, I need it to look like this when I send it to the floor, they were actually doing the design work in review because it's all scaled out, uh, correctly. And, and of course they, it wouldn't, it wouldn't pass final inspection unless it would work on site. Right. Uh, with, with some of these prefab workflows. So, um, that was one of those that I thought was really cool. Um, another one that I really love from a use case standpoint um, I was talking to a drywall contractor uh, probably about maybe it was like six or eight months ago, and um, the the idea of quantity takeoff. You may or may not know what that is, but but it's essentially oh, yeah. you're you're looking at a drawing and saying how big is it, how many of this, how much of that do I have to get to 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 get to a quote, right? Um, and so that quantity takeoff, they had these really expensive like estimating tools that were hard to use. And then it would, it would create this official like quote or bid or pricing model. And this, this drywaller came up, came up to us and he said, I use that for when I'm actually creating the bid, but in the middle of a project, when there's like an RFI, for example, like that I need to change this or the, the, the owner changed that part of it, which happens all the time in construction. As we know, once, once ground is broken, 
changes the is the order of the day, right? So he said he would go in and do all of his quantity takeoffs in Bluebeam because it was just so much easier. So we have these workflows that aren't heavy. You can get in there, do a quick count, how many columns, how, how many bathrooms are going to require tile, for example, versus um, just straight drywall and paint. All of that he could quickly count by just saying, this is the third floor. Let me just run it through because I already have the drawings open. Let me just do it in Bluebeam instead of having to go open up this other tool. So that's one of the things that I think is really cool too, is that we have these kind of really complex workflows. On the one hand, we're creating spools and cutting actual actual conduit and bending conduit. Some of those projects now on for, for the electrical space, this contractor was telling me, they don't even allow benders on site for safety reasons. So they have to be bent like before you get there. So prefab mm. is really important. Spooling, it, like getting getting everything right from the fab is really important. And they're doing Bluebeam stuff instead of opening, I don't know, some other big company software. I won't mention that. Um, but but it is it is very cool to see that, like this kind of advanced workflow all the way down to just whenever I need to do a quick takeoff for quantities, I do it in, in review. So there's a lot of cool use cases and studies that mm. I've heard from customers. And there's 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 many more I could I could talk about, but those are two that come to mind. So does Bluebeam work in a 3D environment as well as a 2D environment? So there is a there is a format called a 3D PDF. So you can actually print off a 3D PDF. I'm not expert in that technology, but that is a possibility too. Um, and we can also open up IFCs. So you can open up an IFC in in review. So there's there there there. I guess if I'm honest with you. It, Bluebeam is kind of in that two and a half D space, right? Where the model, the model, the, the folks that generate the model, they'll create drawings and then they interact with those drawings. And then they bring them back and store them um, next to the model, right? Not inside the model. Uh, we're, we're, we're working on some really cool things on the 3D, on the 3D side. Um, I've seen a few awesome demos that are coming down downstream, but we're actually moving more towards how to get, um, instead of being like 2D versus 3D, kind of moving closer to 3D, which is really exciting. Uh, so there's really cool things coming on the pike, but right now it's more it's more 3D with some, uh, 2D with some 3D visualizations, if that makes sense. Well, that was that was my question and it's lead into my next question. But when you were talking about takeoffs, the first thing I think of is, okay, great that you can, you know, you can draw a line and get the get the linear footage. But what I really wanna know is volumes and can you embed surfaces in that platform instead or in Bluebeam, instead of having to ask somebody like Kent or somebody else to say, Hey, can you go in here and give me a volume for that? If it's actually in the same space and by which leads into my next question is where do you see this going? Obviously we talked a little bit about it, but maybe can you summarize the direction for where you see Bluebeam and how it's going to be used in the next five years? Yeah, I, I think, um, Y'all have kind of hit this theme a lot in some of your recent podcasts around AI. And I see that being a big component. We, I mean, we just, we just had a feature from chat GPT a couple of minutes ago. Um, I see that, that transforming the way, the way that we interact and collaborate. There are some painstaking processes around storing drawings and documents and models that, oh, that, sure. um, that, that can be completely transformed these these kind of repetitive processes. And what, what I've seen in our industry that's really worked from, from an AI perspective is, again, I'm gonna use an overused term, but the meat and potatoes use cases mm -hmm. for AI, I think are gonna be the ones that 
um, that will transform our entire industry, mm. right? And I'll go back to my reality capture days, right? The, the the billion dollar question for the for the big players in that space is how do I how do I get a point cloud to a model? Mm. Like that's a big right. question. Yep. And or how do I get how do I get a point cloud into a drawing, which is also is also a, a compelling use case. When I was when I when we launched the BLK three sixty at Leica. So this is an entry level scanner. Like laser scanning yeah. used to be like 150,000 bucks. Like the like a like a P series. You had the the, the Fin Pharaoh came in had a good mid range scanner, um, but that was a big expensive thing that required mm -hmm. like surveying expertise, right? It was a laser scanner was designed for for surveyors. Really, it was you know if you've got if it's like is it an instrument or a tool? Like it was totally an instrument, whereas like. When we launched the BLK360, it was a tool, like one button. And it's still kind of laughed at, like, what's Leica doing um, with this entry level thing? But we essentially took the price point down from like $150,000 down to 20,000 bucks. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything. And so I was talking to customers like all the time, hey, what are you doing with this stuff? That's really cool. You've got like, you've got point clouds, you've got RGB values, you've got panoramic imagery. Um, and that, that sensor actually came out with a thermal camera, which many people don't even know existed on that thing. Uh, you could actually get like FLIR. It was actually a FLIR sensor that, that was on the original BLK360. So what are you doing with all this data? Oh, we're just creating drawings. We go up three feet so we can get doors and windows and we're done. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? So like, yeah. I think I think that's, that's what we're going to see. There's going to be these like generative design conversations that are really important for our industry but my feeling is it's like what redundant tasks are you doing today that require 10 clicks that ai will make done in two mm. i think yeah. and that's the yeah. stuff that will be embedded in our products that you might not even see that you're using like like when you when you type an email in outlook or in google in gmail right it'll finish your sentence and you can yep. choose do i want that word that that Microsoft told me to use, or do I want to use a different word, right? Stuff yeah. like that, I think is going to be kind of that innovation curve where we're going to see some more meat and potatoes type things just built into products, um, as opposed to like these groundbreaking things, which will come, but I think they'll, they'll come over time. Yeah. And I just see like the, you know, the traditional PDF plan set and you got the quantities page on the first, on the cover. And then I just see it like, Oh, let's click on that okay, there's seven catch basins in this drawing. And then all of a sudden those, yeah. you, those pop out and like, oh, it's right here. And then yeah. not only that, oh, I click on it again and here's what the detail looks like. You know, like yeah. it can just kind of transform more than just out of that 2D space. Exactly. And that's a big use case, what you just mentioned there, Kent. It's like the, the hyperlinking, like simple yeah. things like yeah. that, where when you write this, this thing that means this in the model, in mm. a drawing or even in an email or wherever, like that becomes metadata and linked because there's this AI large, you know, large language model that's like going in there and saying, okay, anytime I see this word, it means that. Right. And yeah. it's just like things like that, like you're saying, that's exactly what it is. Like just simple catch basin. It's like there's 18 of them and now all 18 of them, oh man, now I know exactly what the as built was versus right. what we had on date X or Y, right? Um, you know, progress scanning is another thing, right? So this was scanned on this date and on that date, it looked different um, from here to here. All of that stuff is going to start to be more and more connected um, in very cool ways. I think some people are afraid of it. I think 
there are some there's some gener there's some real good reasons to be fearful but for me i'm quite excited to see what what we what we learn about our industry as things get more and more connected when a couple things you couple um terms you use there like hyperlink and that type thing you know now we're almost talking about a, a gis type thing mm -hmm. it's almost like incorporated into a gis you know and it'd be really cool maybe this has already been thought of of course um but if it was like when you're working in the blue beam environment you're it's almost like uh geo-referenced at the same time yeah yeah exactly so there's you something know? 20 years ago go nick go <laughs> dr nick <laughs> there he is. i knew you'd pipe up on this one there was literally a product called a geo pdf Ah, you can look it up. Geo, geo PDFs and geo tips. They were geo referenced, geo rectified PDFs that have real world coordinates, but nothing <laughs> like nothing like Steve's talking about. Like sure. it had spatial relevance, but yeah, it's been around yeah. a while. Very cool. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's going to happen more and more. And um, I, the thing I love about about like the civil um, and particularly like the surveying side, like it, it answers this fundamental question that everyone has to ask: like, where am I? What yep. am I looking at? Like, these are really fundamental questions that like, if you can get that figured out, like for example, um, it's almost like a point cloud that's not tied into any user coordinate system mm -hmm. or that like, I, I, I'm not a surveyor, but I know what a monument is. Let me put it that way. Um, so the, the, if you can tie these things together and say, this drawing doesn't just exist because it's a drawing, but it exists on this floor of this specific place, that is some powerful stuff. Because then you're putting this context, just like you were saying, um, it's it's powerful if you can put things into a space like this is where I'm at and this is what that thing is. Mm -hmm. uh, I I see there's a lot of opportunity for us to 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 go in the future, and we're doing some of that work too. Um, yeah, not survey grade, but we're 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 moving the needle. Yeah, uh, well, little he, insight and, there. I like and, it. And he said what uh, <laughs> what, what I was. And the reason why I said uh, gave the example of the catch basins is that that use case was I'm looking at a drawing and I'm explaining to somebody that has no idea what they're looking at, and I I found, oh that's what it looks like on the page. Here, let me Google catch basin and show you a picture of it. Mm. Yeah. Why isn't that all the like, why can't I say, oh, here, here's what it actually looks like in the, sure. in the field. Here's what it, you know, in a 3D picture, I mean, the 3D yeah. picture, but connecting those two things, like I'm going to a different space to give an example of what something that is in that drawing. I think you should be on the development team at Bluebeam. It sounds like I <laughs> yes. am like strategically positioned. For this. You, I think you found yeah, your calling. I mean, hey, we're always open for feedback. Always. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Hey, hey, hey Sean, you're the O. A E C O. Oh, oh. The o. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm the O. <laughs> oh God, it's funny. Um, what else? Yeah. What else? Yeah. What else you want to talk about? Yeah, Steve, you want to get anything else out there? Um, I, again, I think just, just, just in closing, I, I just, if it's a surveyor or an engineer or a contractor, like, I, I am so impressed and so grateful to kind of be in this industry next to this expertise. I think one of my like career goals is to restore dignity to the construction, the surveying, the engineering industry. Like it is a noble thing to say, I don't want to fly a desk. I want to go out and I want to, I want to learn something. I want to be out in nature. I want to do something different. And, and so for me, like, it's just a big shout out to, to the experts that are out there in the field like yourselves and others in our space that 
they they build our world. They really do. And we can do we can do without a lot of things that we have on our on our social media feeds, but we can't we can't survive without without the awesome professionals in our space. So that's my my last little shout out is um yeah, all to all to all y'all construction surveying and civil civil engineering experts. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, uh, well, I think that, that, yeah, that hit right right, right here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I mean, sure. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Yeah. Like when I hear someone talk about the the cool stuff that they're building, it's just awesome. It's just the best industry to work in, I think. Hey, no, Steve. You're here. Yeah. Did Did you well, like Legos as a kid? I did. I really did. I I and my mom it. said, "You're going to be an architect," and I just I never could do it. You know, you're more like I, interested in having like the yellow iron move the pieces of Lego across the job site yeah. over to the building. Right, that's yeah. right. Do you guys, do you guys? I'm, I'm going to age myself. Did you guys have uh, Lincoln logs? I did. Uh, I'll age you. Uh, I didn't, but they're at my grandparents' no. house, and that's where. No. I'm no. <laughs> Fair enough. I, was, I, well them. I don't think I own them. I don't think. I own them. <laughs> Oh, it's so awesome. How about you, Nick? Anything else you want to, any questions you didn't get answered? No, I, man, Steve, I really appreciate the, uh, the articulation on what you're doing. And I think sometimes we talk about AEC and it's extremely complex and something like Bluebeam simplifies things. And the more we can collaborate, it seems like the better decisions we can make. Obviously you're, you're leveraging diversity and equity and inclusion because you're collaborating. That's the definition of it. And so I just really appreciate it, Steve. And um, yeah, thank you. I, for once, I don't think I have anything else to say. I'm still mad that I didn't get the trivia question right. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right, we, we do have one last question we ask every guest. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Um, learn something from everybody. Oh, like it. Oh, love that. Like it, like it. Um, uh, what else? You got anything else? Uh, no, no, I just, actually that just kind of took me back for a second. That that that's a great mantra. You even teared up, I think. I know, I know. Like he <laughs> he, he hit my soft spot and then and then made made my brain squishy. Like oh, oh it's great, God. so funny. Well, Steve, listen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, great conversation. We probably just scratched the surface oh, of absolutely. it. You know, hopefully we can do this again sometime and dig a little sure. deeper. Um, but uh, yeah, just thank you. My pleasure. Happy to help. Have a great evening. Cheers. You. All right. Add value, make friends. That's what we do here at the Geoholics. That's what we do. Um, anybody that would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at the That's right. Or if you have somebody who you think would be a good guest, reach out to us with that as well. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in being a friend of the program for 2024, same thing. Info at thegeoholics.com. We do check and reply to that email all the time. Sometimes too soon. Sometimes, sometimes, in some cases. Sometimes we both reply. But <laughs> uh, Weezer, troublemaker, available everywhere. Until next time, everybody, be safe and healthy. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. Again, you're gone.